Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a Teen Drama Fancast. Yes, and we are back. Uh, not not really where we belong, but where we'd like to belong, I guess. Yeah. Uh, California, we have... California. We here, are here. We are here. <laughs> here we came, once we did, and now we are here. Right back where we did not start from, <laughs> but come to sometimes. What is what is what are things? California, here we come. No, no, I'm right ju- no, no, I'm not not the chorus, Aaron. Oh. We all know the chorus. Was this a living on the run? <laughs> Driving in the sun, looking out for number one. No, is is the is the phrase "living on the run"? That can't that be can't right. be right. It can't be living on the run. Driving in the sun, feeling number one. <laughs> I will let you know that when you search a phantom planet, the the first thing that comes up is the lyrics for California. Great. <laughs> uh, just because, I mean, really. It's why, the biggest hit because why, why a show used it. It's, no, it's we've been on the run, driving in the sun, looking out for number one. I mean, it's not wrong. I mean, I guess the, the actual song itself um, is... I mean, it's mostly about driving, but it ha- but there does seem to be some uh, crime components to it. Hustlers grab your guns, your shadow weighs a ton, driving down the 101. I mean, it's not inaccurate. It is an appropriate song for this TV yeah. show. I am going to say <laughs> that, man, it does... I'm going to tell you what about uh, this song. It does not hold up when you just look at it written out in front of you. It's a pretty terrible lyrics. I mean... Pedal to the floor, mm. thinking of the roar, mm. gotta get us to the show. California, mm. here we come. Right back where we started from. Mm. <laughs> like, it's just every single line, just three things. <laughs> and they just rhyme. <laughs> the chill one really throws you off, because the other chorus is, we've been on the run, driving in the sun, looking you know, out for, for number, number one. one. <laughs> California, here we come. Uh, then you got hustlers grab your guns. Your shadow weighs a ton. Driving down the 101. California. Here we come. And then they're like, oh, you thought you know how our rhyme pattern works? You're wrong. <laughs> well, and then comes on the stereo. Listen as we go. Nothing's going to stop me now. California, here we come. Does now rhyme with show? No, it doesn't. Why now, would I say that? And then they just shout California, here we come over and over again. Uh, the point there being that don't look too deeply into the lyrics of song. <laughs> so, look, some songs are really about the lyrical masterpieces that they are able to weave in there. Some of them are just saying words in very pretty ways that you're like, yeah. Some of them are just jams for being in your car that you can all scream to. <laughs> it's like the song, the song of the funeral. Like, you don't really know what they're saying in that song, but no. it pops up on everything. I think it was on the OC at some point. I mean, pretty much every sort of pop punky lyrical song that came out in the early 2000s on the OC. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, we have definitely revealed this somehow through our nonsense it's summertime and in the summertime we watch the oc <laughs> uh yeah yeah i guess i guess it does line up pretty well with that uh R- riverdale is done it's behind us we don't have to talk about it but definitely we will think about it because i do we do tend to look at things in comparison to others because that's how media works compare and contrast nothing nothing exists in a bubble. The world does not exist in a vacuum. Everything is affected by those that came before and those that exist around. <laughs> the OC is not affected by Riverdale. Or is it? <laughs> I I couldn't help but think of it a bunch, so. 
I mean, this episode has a man fight club, so... This this episode is... Th- this episode, I, I almost believe, can only be discussed in comparison to its similarities to Riverdale. <laughs> is it good? Is it bad? Only Riverdale can tell. <laughs> and us, I suppose, if we get into it, which I think we should. Let's go. All right, because this is The O.C., Season 4, Episode 1. The Avengers. The Avengers. Wait, is that right? Am I doing the Avengers theme? No. Does the Avengers have a theme? No, it does. What am I doing? Well, now you're turning into Batman. No, no, no. That's just because I'm using the nuz. Just pretend that there's like a splash across the screen and then we see shots of a bunch of superhero movies. I really think I'm doing the Avengers theme. And then it fades in to Ryan, who is basically doing a salmon ladder. Now, it does clarify to us that this is five months later. And five months later. Later from what? We don't know. This is the season premiere. <laughs> I mean, we'll figure it out pretty soon. It is five months from what we saw in the previously on, which was Wojciech losing his GD mind. Oh, yeah. The the previously on for this episode really does get you immediately catched up. It's one of the most succinct previously ons. I think because every storyline came to an end and now they just have a new one. It's like Sandy being like, I want to go back and be a DA again. Voychuk chasing down Marissa. <laughs> this, this this episode will focus on one thing. Uh, Summer and Seth finding out that Seth got into a school, but he won't go there until January. Voychuk chasing down Marissa. <laughs> Taylor Townsend going to the Sorbonne. Voychuk chasing down Marissa. Ryan, no storyline. Just being in the car with Marissa. Being in the car with Marissa. Uh, holding her as the car explodes. Which we discussed in detail. <laughs> so, Ryan, uh, when we meet up with him five months later, is in what I was trying to figure out, whether that was Voychuk's house. I thought it was a warehouse. It is neither of those things. Um, however, uh, because this beginning bit, this this pre-intro uh, scenes are very heavy on images. Uh, it leaves us with questions, but also tells us, a lot, yeah. Because this is a good TV show. So Ryan, he's all beaten up, and he's washing his hands, and he gets a call. He gets what we think might be the call, but it's just a call. It's a very TV phone call with what? Now? There? Okay. No, I now I don't want to spoil what it will be revealed as, but as we when we learn later, I'm not sure how this call went that way. <laughs> Because when we see the aftermath of this call, it seems to me that these two characters have not spoken in five months. (laughs) That's somewhat of a spoiler. Uh, So Sandy uh, drives into what I thought was a parking garage. It may also be a parking garage, but it's also outside a bar. And we think maybe Sandy was the one who called Ryan. But then Sandy goes into the bar and he says to a man in the bar, is he in there? (laughs) <laughs> which means he's been to this bar before. And they know him. They know him. They know who he likes to visit, which is Ryan, who lives in the back room of this bar. This is, this is a weird thing. It's like we're stitching together 
It's like we're a memento and we're trying to like piece together our memories of our past yeah. before we forget them again. Now, Sandy tries his best to talk to him, but Ryan doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to hear him. So he sneaks out the window because there's a window in, in this, this parking garage bar. And we do discover that Sandy misses Ryan. They have not seen him for a very, very long time and they're very worried about him. So we're putting pieces of things together. Mm, five months later. Now, Sandy bursts into the back room, but as we established, Ryan has left through the window. Yeah. He drives away in a Jeep. Yeah. Five months later, <laughs> he has a Jeep. There's this really jarring cut where he looks in a mirror and then it match cuts to Julie, like, looking back like she should be looking in the mirror at him. But instead, she opens up her mirror medicine cabinet and she has all the prescription pills. Very many. So many pills. Uh, which I guess make her feel uh, better because she's real chipper when she gets out of that bathroom. And Caitlin is putting on boots and Caitlin tells her mom, you're not allowed to drive at nighttime anymore, mom. <laughs> Caitlin puts up the bare... Caitlin, it repeatedly in this episode, will, be, will put up barest amount of concerns for things. The thing we have to remember about Caitlin is she's like 15. I, I mean, yes. <laughs> but it's going to be hard to remember because we know what Willa Holland looks like as an adult, and it's the same. I mean, you know what Willa Holland looks like as an adult. Everyone I... knows. Everyone watches Arrow. <laughs> I've I've never watched Arrow, Aaron. You have to stop thinking I've watched Arrow. It seems like something you would stop have watched. De stop defining your relationship to me on behalf of Arrow. Well, you should watch it. Then you'd know. I don't want to watch Arrow. It's done now. I know it is. Okay, I watched the first season of Arrow, and all I got from it was Salmon Ladder. She was in the first season. She plays his sister. I don't remember things, Aaron. There was only Salmon Ladder. Willa Holland has been playing a teenager since the OC in, like, 2009, to when Arrow started. Okay, that was in 2012. <laughs> Three whole years later. <laughs> yeah. It seemed like there was longer because she was also on Gossip Girl in the middle of all that. <laughs> Half so, a whole year later. So, five months later. So, now we cut more. We're at a motel. I can't remember if we find it out now or the second it's the mermaid, time we it's the, the mermaid in. Yeah. it's the mermaid in. And a door opens and in a not at all shocking turn of events. <laughs> really? Well, I figured out after they showed Julie that the person that Ryan was going to meet was Julie. I figured out later. I, well, I mean, I, I, I figured out essentially once they did that. I'm like, oh, that's why they did the match cut. They did the match cut because actually she kind of was looking at Ryan. I just know how. I thought he was going to a fight, Aaron. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> He clearly already did that. I thought he was going to do another fight. I thought those scar those those scars didn't all look like they came from the night before. But well, we'll talk about that. Gasp! Ryan's meeting Julie. Here's some credits. Main cast this year includes Autumn Reeser, Taylor Townstead, and Willa Holland, Caitlin Cooper. Autumn Reeser gets like her introduction as this uh, fun like walk down like she's in a pretty dress and she walks down a hall. Willa Holland gets her in a bathing suit, looking back, kind of half scowling. <laughs> it's a very weird uh, image that she gets. It's very Caitlyn. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> and then we come back in, and it says to us in a lower third, thirty six hours. Wait for it earlier and now we know <laughs> just, it just reminded me of the thing from the avengers um <laughs> uh if like infinity war or whichever they'll follow up that where it goes 
five years later. <laughs> end game. End game. <laughs> uh, this is not quite the end game, but... This is the pre-end... <laughs> no. It's be the pre-game. It's the pre-game. <laughs> sure. So Seth is talking on the phone, and it seems unclear at first who is he talking to. It seems okay. pretty clear that he's leaving a voicemail. Okay, <laughs> listen... <laughs> You you threw me a little a little bit out of the bus for not getting that it was Julie that Rye was meeting. I turned to Aaron and said, he's talking to Summer. And Aaron, and Aaron said, no. He could have been talking to Ryan. I got immediately he was talking to Summer. Here's the thing, though. He would talk to Ryan on the phone leaving a vo- voicemail the exact same way he would talk to Summer. <sighs> it doesn't matter. And that's why it's cute. Anyway, he feels... The other character, and also ourselves in, about everything that's been going on. We see Ryan working at a bar. He doesn't talk about that. We see that Sandy is loving his DA job, and he also loves it when Seth comes to visit him. We see Kirsten, who's hanging out with the noopsies again. <laughs> yeah, it, this is really done actually very well, that it doesn't seem out of character, because Seth is all is explaining all of these things and how he relates to them. There's he, The noopsies aren't as annoying as you think they are. In fact, there's this one woman who does, <laughs> who has very, a very good dry humor. Um, we get to see Seth hanging out with Neil, having some takeout. <laughs> yeah, watching golf, and I don't think Seth quite gets the golf, but he, you know, he's doing it for Neil and Summer. We see that Caitlin's busy being Caitlin and hanging out with Luke's <laughs> younger brothers, who are twins. Br- no, they're not. <laughs> uh, he says they're twin brothers. They well, they are not twins. <laughs> they are fraternal twins. Sure. There's two types of twins. I I don't even think they're fraternal twins. I think I think he's referring to the twins like how uh Caitlin not Caitlin, um like how uh Cheryl and Jason were twins <laughs> by being not twins. They are called they are Brad and Eric and they will be around. They will follow Caitlin around. Uh <laughs> and we also see Taylor who's loving the Sorbonne. He got a letter from her and he couldn't read it because well, it was in French. Well, we get we get fo- we get photos essentially. Yeah. She is she's in a lot of places. She is essentially photoshopped into a lot of images of Paris. Discovery. This is a voicemail. That's not really a discovery. It's clearly a voicemail. Yeah. And some are sort of listening to it, but then in pops a brand new character for this season. The titular Avenger. <laughs> it's Chris Pratt, Star Lord himself. <laughs> this is uh, pre Parks and Rec. Yeah. So he's not chubby, Chris Pratt, but he is. He well, I mean, their their thing is that they essentially made him Rasta Chris Pratt. Well, I guess no, he's crunchy. He's crunchy, yeah. Chris Pratt. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's wearing you know a, a lot of like the he has the Che Guevara shirt on. He's got like a Rastafarian hat on. Yeah. His hair is unkempt. I would assume that if he did take that um that Rastafarian hat off, his hair would be stuck in the same shape as the yeah. Rastafarian hat. Because he definitely washes it like once every three weeks because he's too busy protesting. Yeah. He's got that he's got that great beard, and I have to imagine because we've seen Chris Power with the beard, he shaved it this way, that it like, it comes down to about his chin and then stops and then restarts again as a Now he was young, maybe he didn't have his beard skills that he has now. Anyway, this this will be crunchy Chris Pratt, and he is instantly introduced. Um, as Summer's friend, who I guess they do environmental stuff together. They're going to go protest some chickens. <laughs> well, they're going to protest treatment of chickens. They're not going out there being like, yeah, chickens suck. I mean, 
So while this is all going on, Seth is back home in the OC at his work, which is a comic book store, and he is shaming a child. (laughs) Who was wondering if there are comics based on the X-Men movie. And and much like how Caitlin has her Brad and Eric, uh, (laughs) Seth got his own weird cronies. He has Leon and the other one. uh, Maybe Liam? Leo? Who knows? He he is played by the actor who plays a nerd in every movie. Yep. Yeah, you you have seen at least one of these actors before. And it is unclear who owns this store, how this store, what this store. <laughs> it really seems it seems to sometimes like Seth owns a comic book store. But in comes Kirsten, and Kirsten has groceries for Ryan because I guess everyone in this family knows where Ryan is, but they're trying to like be cool about well, it. Well, I mean, that's not that's not really a surprise. Which is definitely the right way because, to approach Ryan. Yeah, like, they're, they're not going to forcibly make Ryan go home, but of course they're going to know where he is. And I mean, well, assumably Ryan told Seth where he was staying, because, and that's the reason why she gives the care package to Seth. She knows of all the people, Ryan will at the very least open the door for Seth. So she would like Seth to deliver the groceries, but she would also like him to stick some fun comic books in there. Nothing dark. Nothing too dark. You know, things like Archie and Jughead. (laughs) Nothing too dark. Nothing too dark. This is a (laughs) pre-Riverdale environment. So we do get like a little dip of what's happened in the past five months. Ryan... Has not just been MIA. Ryan, like, broke down essentially immediately. Didn't even go to her funeral. Yeah. He has, as, from as far as we know, he essentially just stays at the bar because he works at the bar. So he just lives and works at a bar. And that's his life. He does not leave the bar. He does not think about anything outside the bar. He apparently does not eat the food they give to him. So. <laughs> He's he's sustaining on sadness and ennui. But uh, sometimes that happens when you are a superhero and you fail to save (laughs) your most precious charge, your (laughs) ex-girlfriend. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Ryan has yet to have uh, Samuel Jackson show up and... Tell him to get over it. Yeah, tell him that we we had an idea (laughs) (laughs) to bring real sad people together. Ooh, that is what the Avengers are, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Just a bunch of sad dudes. Hey, your background. Uh, you got any, like, dead relatives or something? Uh, I mean, not dead, but they don't talk to me. <laughs> I guess that's why the army guy doesn't get to be a full Avenger. Which army guy? Uh, the sidekick of Iron Man. Not Bucky. No. You not- mean Sam, the Falcon? He is yeah. Avenger. But he's not a full Avenger. Because <laughs> he's too happy. <laughs> well, we have not gotten a background for Sam, really. That's true. He yeah. could have full sorrow. Yeah. Bucky, definitely sad. Definitely a full Avenger. Bucky was dead. True. Yes. Uh, and, and that means, and because he's from the past, everyone he knows is dead. That's how time works. Real tragedy. Full tragedy. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, speaking of Marissa's... Tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> And sadness. Ju- Julie Cooper is going full crazy. Oh, man, Julie would be a great Avenger. She, yeah, she'd be a chainsaw Avenger. That would be her <laughs> superpower, holding a chainsaw. <laughs> and manipulation. <laughs> holding a chainsaw. We, we got ourselves a team. <laughs> Tony's dark, genius, created his own armor. Bruce Banner, who can become the Hulk. And then we got this 
crazy rich woman with a chainsaw. You need someone to run into danger? It's her. <laughs> She's all hopped up on Vicodin. Some people just want to see the world be chainsawed down. <laughs> so yeah, Neil gets up at what I have to assume is way too early in the morning. Uh, and Julia's outside just chainsaw in a shrub. The shrub is not pruned correctly. And Neil's like, Julie, are you perhaps <laughs> crazy? Julie, are are you perhaps maybe avoiding your feelings? Julie, should you perhaps talk to a professional or myself? Yeah, anyone. Do you want to talk to someone? And she's like, no, instead I want to do crafts. We'll hire ourselves a landscaper and I'll do crafts. What I do have to say is that Julie's reaction, this... In summary, this episode does a good job of showing how people grieve in different ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, Julie grieves by trying to keep herself busy. And Julie's grieving is very in character for Julie. Oh, yeah. She just ignores it and does projects. And Neil Roberts is trying his Neil Robertsy best. And this will begin the first of many occasions where Caitlin will just sort of stare on from a distance with a kind of scheming face and kind of... Concerned face. What is happening over there? And then she says to Neil, don't worry, my mom ignores me too. And I do have to feel bad for Caitlin. Yeah. Because she has always been in Marissa's shadow. And this was finally her chance for Marissa to go away and be on a boat. <laughs> As we had from, from the flashback, time for me to rule Harbor. And instead, she still lives in Marissa's shadow. And she can never get out of that shadow. Because the shadow will never move. Yes. Because the person who cast the shadow is dead. Yes, that, ha- that is how shadows work a lot That's of times. That's how death works. That's how death works. That's how two things work. We're, we're pulling this apart. We're figuring out the pieces. I feel really bad for Caitlin. Her life is very hard. Also, does anyone care about her grief? I'll tell you. No. <laughs> Caitlin... Caitlin is so hard to put your finger on, though. Like, what exactly is going on with her? And exactly what the show wants to go on with her. And that's why I choose to feel bad for her, I guess. She, she in many ways, is uh, <laughs> Schrodinger's bereaved. Uh, in that you can put whatever you want on her and she can be both sad and not sad uh, until... And sociopathic and also sympathetic. Yeah, until you open up the box and see the Marissa's dead. Okay. So Seth visits Ryan with the, with the care package, and we learn something very important, very important in this scene. This utility closet that Ryan lives in is a storage room, but it's like the the physical bar that you serve drinks from. Yeah. The door to his home is behind the physical bar that you serve drinks from. Yeah. He lives in a closet in a bar. <laughs> hey, he's got a sink. He's got a window, and most importantly, he has a bunk bed. But there's only a mattress on the bottom, which is where he sleeps. <laughs> which what I meant, which I imagine is because he came in, and, may, and they're like, well, you can have this bunk bed if you want to. You can have the top bunk. He's like, no, I don't deserve the top bunk. <laughs> oh, Ryan. You may- can have any bunk you want. Maybe if I was a better hero, then I would deserve the top bunk. Why couldn't I make that car fly? <laughs> but instead... I will sleep on the bottom bunk like the failure I am. Maybe once every week I'll put a blanket around it and pretend I'm in a fort. But most of the time I'll just sleep on the bottom bunk. 
And I assume he just sleeps on a bare mattress with no <laughs> he, pillow. He does sit there holding on to the, <laughs> the chain above him, just going like, damn it. It's a prison bunk bed. <laughs> so <laughs> what I like about this scene, actually, and every scene in this bar, is this is very much like, the this, this show does this repeatedly uh, in like earlier seasons as well. Because this is a different place, it's shot differently. Like, the writing's all the same, but it feels like it's shot like The Wire. Yeah, it's a different TV show when we're in Ryan's <laughs> bar. It's like it's like when we used to go to Chino. Yeah, where they would film it on a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> this, one, this one is filmed with these high contrast lights. And even though the music, like, they still have this kind of, like, because it's Seth there. So you got like, kind of, like, goofy little bit of music yeah. going. Some sort of hijinks music. But <laughs> it's shot so dour. It's great. So Seth finally Seths his way on in there, and he gets Ryan to promise to go to come to dinner that night. Which, if there's anything to know with the OC, when someone promises they'll come to dinner, they definitely always show up. Oh, always. No <laughs> one is ever waylaid by something else before dinner. The only way you can make food plans in the OC is to not make plans. You and have just to- hope that you appear at the same place <laughs> at the same time. Because as soon as you're like, let's have dinner, you're not having dinner. Or breakfast? Oh, God. So we're going to head back to Rhode Island where uh, Chris Pratt, uh, Crunchy Chris, that's what we would call him, um, does his best to save the chickens. And Summer is there. We are meant to believe that she's very into it, but they don't give her a lot of lines. No, um, it's, as said, her character is weird because she's definitely obviously going through things with Marissa. But it's hard to tell how much of her current interest and things she's doing is based on that. And I'm sure we'll find out more as this goes on, because we did skip forward five months. And this episode is really about, let's be clear, Ryan. So her phone rings. She wanders off to answer it, her cell phone. It's It's Taylor. Taylor is Taylor about France. (laughs) Oh, my God. Do we get a full face full of Taylor right off the bat? She comes in throwing out French because that's what Taylor does. She just... She has to, in the moments that she existed, she has to exist in them so hard. (laughs) Now, luckily, we get some respite from this phone conversation because Crunchy Chris needs to go to the coffee shop to make photocopies. Coffee, not the coffee. Oh, I definitely thought he was going to a coffee shop to make photocopies. That's way better. (laughs) No. I choose to believe what I choose. (laughs) And I like like that you heard a word similar to a word that would make sense. You just went, no, he's going to the coffee shop to make copies. Okay, there's a lot of, like, hippie coffee shops that definitely have, like, a really old, like, coin-operated <laughs> coffee machine in the I just, corner. I think he was talking about the the campus's copy store. Anyway, they have not paid the other actor to say any lines, so Summer needs to go back to their booth so she yep. can talk to people about yep. saving the chickens. Which means she couldn't talk to Taylor, and t- that makes Taylor real sad, especially because, especially because Taylor... Is in the OC. <laughs> is in the OC. And she's in disguise, and it's very confusing at this moment why she's in disguise. Because Summer's she, not in the OC. She knows the person she's talking to isn't there. I love the idea that she is back in the OC um, and called someone who's not there to, it feels like, convince her to hang out. It does kind of seem that way. <laughs> And if this was now, she would be trying to convince her to do a Zoom call or something. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? Taylor, like, setting things up behind her so it looks like it's France. 
<laughs> I mean, no, she just used one of those Zoom ba- of digital backgrounds of, like, the Eiffel Tower. Oh, uh, but Taylor's too extra. I'm picturing her, like, printing out, like, a full-size print of the Eiffel Tower and, like, taping it to a window behind her. <laughs> yeah, no, that uh, that as well. <laughs> anyway. <All right>. Uh, <laughs> uh, w- this is this is a scene that will really show us that we are back in the OC. It's some of that good old-fashioned kitchen time. And it's time for a catch em up where the Coens discuss what to expect when Ryan comes for dinner. Ooh. Uh, Ryan's going to be Ryan-y. Yeah. <laughs> there's, honestly, there's not much to these scenes in general. They're just, like, really comforting because it's like, yeah, you are li- making sure that we understand what's going on. We They catch us up with everything that's been going on, like, on the show so far. Yeah. I question whether Kirsten is a good cook or a bad cook. She is consistent. Let's be clear. She's cons- she was a bad cook. And then she, because she had nothing else to do with her time, because she was a recovering alcoholic. Mm, became actually, a good cook. Became a good cook. But now she's busy again, so she's a okay cook. She's making pasta. I think it's that, that, that her pasta's too hot. And then they ask <laughs> no, if it's overcooked. Yeah, like, she somehow made her sauce too hot. And by hot, we mean, like, physically too high in temperature. This, yeah, this is... <laughs> This and then Sandy. This is like just shows another of know how to cook because Sandy says you've overcooked it. It's too hot. And I'm like that's not how cooking works. <laughs> overcooking <laughs> things makes them burned or tough. Yeah, or blackened. Not just hotter. It means she didn't like she did just scoop salt like <laughs> sauce that she had just made and put it right in your mouth. That would be hot. But her cooking skill did not make that hotter. I thought, I thought maybe they're going going with it. She put in too much spices. I thought so too. Yeah, too spicy. But no, it's just hot. So <laughs> you, you know, too much it's hot. This is a real classic moment. I question whether Kirsten can cook. It's the kitchen, and as we know, this is the OC, and someone was invited to dinner. So, so that someone appears as if he's going to dinner, Ryan, but then his boss, I guess, at the bar, yeah, bursts into his room and is like, "Hey." You going to dinner with that kid? And Ryan says, no, I'm going to where you want me to. I'm in. (laughs) I'll meet you there in about three minutes, but you be there first. (laughs) So he does meet him there. And what is there, Kevin? Oh, man, it's a man fight club. (laughs) It is a cage fight. It is an underground. It is an underground MMA fight. And Ryan's going to be fighting some big bald guy. (laughs) Now, here's what you need to know about this underground MMA fight. I don't know if there's anyone watching it or if everyone's fighting because he can just point to a random person and be like, no, I want to fight that guy instead. It does seem... And they're both just bald shirtless guys. (laughs) But one guy is a lot more ripped than the other one is. So it means that Ryan Ryan wants to get hurt. He wants that challenge. He wants the tough one. He wants to fight the stronger guy. But we don't see the fight right now. First, we go back to the Cohen house, where everyone is sad because they made the mistake of inviting someone to dinner. <laughs> Damn, we should have just waited, and he probably would have shown up. <laughs> so uh, Sandy calls Ryan, gives him a real dad phone call, being all, Ooh, we're expecting you for dinner. We have a microwave. You should come here and enjoy our microwave. Well, yeah, you can come back and have some food. Uh, but of course they know that's not going to work. Someone is going to have to go there. And who's going to go there? Seth. And are the parents invited? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, this is, this is boy time. No men allowed. <laughs> no, to be, no, to be fair, 
At this point, they are both probably 18. So they are both men. They're both men. They have graduated high school. They could be 19. We don't know. The only reason Seth is still at home is because his school starts halfway through. He's starting the winter semester. And it would be foolish to move to Brown early. Exactly. Uh, let's catch up on some actual uh, boys and girl. So, uh, Caitlin. Caitlin Cooper is busy hanging out with the mini Lukes, who are not as good as... Here's the thing we need to remember. When we met Luke... Yeah. He was the same age as these brothers are. Yep. So just think about that every time you see these nerds hanging out with Caitlin. Yeah, they're, they they do not even seem like mini Lukes. It seems weird that they're like, oh, yeah, no, they were Luke's brothers. They could just have been two... Two dudes. Two dudes following Caitlin around. Now, she is smoking pot in the middle of the boardwalk, and... We've the, seen her do this before. Well, it's supposed to be like, oh, you know, she's a rebel, and she also she's like, this potty's even that good. She is literally surrounded by so many people. I don't know if you ever had anyone smoke pot in the area around you. Every single person there knows, and they just don't care because California, here we come. Yeah, whatever. And also, the mini Luke's are doing her homework. <laughs> yeah, we sort of we're get, we're getting idea of the dynamic in this relationship. But then Caitlin sees something, and what she sees is something. It's someone. <gasps> it's Neil. And his arm is around a blonde, some blonde woman. And thankfully, thank God, we have these uh, ward boys here to explain in the worst way who this human being is. So what they say is. That's Gloria. She used to hang out with our mom before she divorced Neil. <laughs> We're like, okay, hold on. D- so, so your mom? No, that can't be. Your mom can't be married to Neil. D- oh, Glor- Gloria. <laughs> now, yes, now that we say Gloria out loud like 17 times, I do remember that the step monster was called Gloria. I don't think she was. She was. Was she? She was. I I think she was always referred to as the stepmom. It, I, it I'm having flashbacks, he, but like it was so long well, ago. And Aaron, also, Neil's been married a few times. They said that this could be one of his other ex-wives. I'm pretty sure the stepmonster. Anyway, it's not important. <laughs> Caitlin though watches it in a scheming and sad way, as Caitlin does. Yeah. All right. Uh, Seth uh, is you know. Trying to find Ryan, but Ryan's not in the bar. Yeah, and he, so he does the only thing that he knows how how to do, call Summer. And he leaves her a voicemail while she is at a didgeridoo party. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Crunchy Chris uh, gives some uh, didgeridooing while Summer plays The Sticks. I I do remember learning how to play those sticks in, like, Girl Guides. <laughs> yeah, she, like, I mean, she's she's effectively playing the wooden block while uh, Chris Pratt plays on the didgeridoo. And this party seems insufferable. <laughs> it does. It is It it is the most clear indication that Summer is grieving than anything else, that she is at a party where three people play various forms of wood instruments while everyone else around them just goes, yeah. This is fun. This is stuff. And as we'll learn later, they're sharing that didgeridoo. <laughs> it's, pe- pe- people, people, not only do they have their turns on it, they're very strict about those turns. It is your turn on the didgeridoo. There is a sign-up sheet and it is timed. <laughs> sometimes you didgeridoo, sometimes you didgeridoo-don't. But when it's your time to didgeridoo, you, you do it. You better didgeridoo. <laughs> didgeridoo. Now, during this voicemail, Seth mentions that he's supposed to be giving Summer space, which says a lot in some very <laughs> short words yeah. and fills me with sorrow. 
Seth, however, is not filled with sorrow, for he overhears two guys walking and talking. <laughs> oh, boy, they're so excited because they hear that boy from the... <laughs> From the bar. From the bar. Is going to lose his fight again, just like he did last week. And, man, these guys are excited to see that guy lose the fight. They don't care about the other fighter. They're excited to see the guy from the bar get his ass kicked. And Seth puts those pieces together, and he's like, there's only one person I know who thinks he's good at fighting, but is, ter- <laughs> but is terrible at fighting. Ryan. Yeah. There's one guy who's specifically good at... <laughs> Doing one punch. Doing one punch, and if they get back, oh boy. They get back up after that punch. (laughs) Uh, Now, Summer does listen to the voicemail. When she goes back to her dorm room where she keeps red solo cups, nicely stacked in, like, one of those wicker baskets. She's got to take care of them. But she cannot cannot deal with this voicemail right now, because in comes Chris Pratt, for it's her time on the didgeridoo. (laughs) Time on the didgeridoo. Uh, She does... Ask like you know, she she lets him know a little bit about her situation, about how sad she is, and and she explains that she is the only one who has started to move on from Marissa's death, which is wildly true. untrue. Um, but she feels that way. Uh, and Crunchy Chris gives her some crunchy advice, some trademark crunchy advice, like. Oh, don't worry about going back to Newport. If the polar ice caps keep melting the way they are in ten years, it'll all be all, all be underwater. Which you know is not true um because it's yet, more I guess. than 10 years in the future more than 10 years. we just we just have the uh the benefit of looking back that that specific thing was not true he uh, also tells her wherever you go there you are yeah that touches her face for an extended period of time all things that we know we do not do anymore <laughs> nothing don't. about this nothing about this scene is accurate <laughs> <laughs> don't creepy touch people's faces i mean i will say one thing about him he touched her on the forehead which of all the places you could touch someone is a better place it's very paternal <laughs> and he is so tall and she is well so i meant short. i meant is not around any of them you know the the entry points on a face he can't infect her with his didgeridoo hands yeah, he didn't put his fingers right over her eyes and rub them into her miscus layer miscus the eye thing yep yep yeah. mm. here's some screams julie cooper is trapped under what a, sh- a shelf a shelf it's a shelving we, unit we, i mean we see a knockdown in the past scene like yeah. well, in the 36 like the 36 hours earlier so it sort of explains how it got there it's a built-in okay that she she hulked off the wall okay, yeah can we point out so she's trapped under the shelf because she was doing some rearranging and everybody is constantly like, like julie it was a built-in julie we everyone told you it was a built-in no one no is one, concerned no, enough no one's paying attention to the fact that she ripped a built-in out of the wall and some people need to go check her meds do- dosages <laughs> because that is not right the the, the amount of in like she she wasn't like, oh, you know what? Maybe the shelf can move. And she grabbed and gave it a few test pulls. Like, oh, it's a built-in. No. She grabbed it, pulled it full. She took out chunks of the wall with it. If someone told me they, they tore out a built-in shelf into... I'm like, you need to go to the <laughs> hospital because we need to check the levels of, like, Neil, adrenaline in your system. Neil says... Neil even says, like, oh, it's just been here since the house has been in. That thing was built with... She just tore out a chunk of the house. <laughs> And everyone's like, oh, it's a built-in. Oh, Julie, you're so silly, the built-in. Caitlin, in fact, is more concerned with needling Neil about (laughs) 
This would this is what Neil. I mean. You can get whatever you want out of Caitlin. Her mother was literally crushed under a built-in. She was like, "Yeah, Neil, where were you, no, Neil?" To be fair, Julie just like <laughs> crawled out of one of the holes of the built-in. So uh, yeah, I like how did she? She's like, so I don't want to get into this too much, but she's she's under the built-in in a way where she's sideways. So the built-in like fell on her. like it almost looked like she was walking past and it fell on her because she's lying on her back. And, like, her upper body and lower body are in two different shelves. And there's the middle things across her middle. Did she jump up on it sideways <laughs> and ride it down? There are a lot of questions to ask about this scene and no answers. Never will we get answers. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Kevin. What did you learn during the quarantine? Well... Something that you might know is for, like, basically for the past year, I've been, like, sort of having discussions with mom and dad about the fact that I have a bike. Yeah. Um, Many, many years ago, Brian's bikes kept getting stolen. Yes. When I was, like, 13 and he was yes. 11. And so eventually so many of his bikes were stolen that he, I was like, well, you can use my old bike. <laughs> and it never got stolen. Yeah. And so our parents have moved this bike from Ontario to BC to Calgary to a different house in Calgary. Yeah. And I was sort of talking about it. Dad went and got it tuned, tuned up and fixed and upgraded. So yeah. he brought the bike over to my house last weekend. And I realized I have not ridden a bike <laughs> in like 20 years. But Aaron... Like riding a bike's like riding a bike. I don't think I know how to ride a bike. Oh, I'll tell you this right now. Someone who when so when I moved into this house, I do have a bike as well. I had a, I rode it over here, so I needed to get it over here. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't ridden a bike in like a decade, it's not like riding a bike. You 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 will get used to it eventually. And I, by eventually, I mean like honestly, just like 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 ten twenty minutes maybe. But, oh, man, the first time you step on that bike yeah. and you're like, this shouldn't work. None of this should work. None of this should work. I did, like, two little pedals because Dad wanted me to check the uh, the seat height. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. And the, the reason why is because nothing else in the world works like a bike does. No. How do I keep it? How does it stay up? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> the... The ballads and the thrusts and all those things only exist in the context of a bike. It's it honestly is the worst way people have described. Oh, it's like you know you remember it and and I mean I guess maybe it does make sense because honestly it is muscle memory. <laughs> and once you get back onto riding the bike, you'll get it. But man, those first couple of minutes, you just really have to trust your body knows what it's doing. <laughs> now it's been rainy in Calgary for the past week. I went and bought a helmet because I don't know how to ride a bike, so yes. I definitely need a helmet. And you should all you should wear a helmet anyways. <laughs> Mom was like, "So the law is that everyone under eighteen has to wear a helmet. Those who are over eighteen don't have to wear a helmet by law, but you should wear a helmet." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, you should wear." I, a I got it. <laughs> so it's finally sunny. I have my helmet. I'm gonna. <laughs> learn how to ride a bike so seth did end up actually seeing uh ryan he saw him get man real punched in that fight because as it turns out ryan doesn't win his fights no he barely tries in his fights in fact yeah so they they uh they call him the human punching bag so we wonder why is he doing this is he doing it for the money 
No, because, because the guy who owns the bar and runs this fight club is like, ah, oh, here's your money. And Ryan's like, no, I don't want it. And I don't understand that. So Ryan, I guess, needs to be punched to feel alive? Well, it's insane to me that he doesn't just just take the money or why that guy keeps even trying to pay him. Like, at this point, he would know that Ryan never wants the money. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's been five months. Yeah, like I, I thought maybe the idea is that he's using that to pay his rent, but it seems like him working in the bars, him paying his rent. So Ryan, so he just so he just goes in there to get punched because the world needs to punish him for what he did, which was not make the car fly. You know, it's not rational, and grief is not rational. Yeah, once again, this episode does a good job of showing different people grieving in uh, different ways. Uh, <laughs> Seth is Seth about this. He, he he tries to be supportive, and Ryan's like, "Look, you just need to go away. This is what I'm doing, keeping you safe by being away." <laughs> I hurt the people around me. Uh, <laughs> and Seth's like, "Oh, we're doing this storyline again. Oh, we're doing this now. Okay." Um, <laughs> at one point, he does call Ryan's thing his new vocation, and we figured out like it's not a vocation. You get paid for vacations. This is like this is his hobby. This is your hobby. Your hobby is to go into is, his hobby is to lose underground MMA fights. It's sort of like doing needlepoint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Very similar. Uh, now it's clear to everybody in the world that this is not Ryan's fault in any remote way. He didn't introduce her to Voychuk. He didn't. Yeah. Make Voychuk. If Ryan had never existed. This all still could have happened. <laughs> because Voychuk still was hanging around the OC. Like, yeah, maybe Marissa mm-hmm. wouldn't have gone to the poor school because she wouldn't have shot Trey. <laughs> Although Marissa was on, like, a pretty downward spiral anyway. And if Ryan had never existed and come to the OC, she probably would have been drunk <laughs> at school and got if, kicked out. If, if anything, Ryan Ryan just offset when she went, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, in their spiral. This 100% likely would have happened without Ryan but you can see and you can see why Ryan would think it's his fault he was literally there and And he he, has and he was driving the car and he has survivor's guilt for he walked away with near a scratch (laughs) he he gets hurt worse in these uh (laughs) these terrible boxing matches but uh the next morning, the Coens have breakfast. They yep. know something is very, very wrong, but Seth will not listen to their questions. We, we get we get a good reminder of Seth's way of working, which is where he'll explain situations and try not to lie. But also try to give very few details. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Things like, how did Ryan look? Mm, he's looked better, but he's also, also looked, looked worse. He's looked worse. You know, I think we can all take comfort in that. He was bleeding a little bit. I think he cut himself, you know. But the bleeding mostly stopped. And then he says the phrase, another phrase that we know, that if you say in the OC, come on, which is, just give him some space. Because everyone gives everyone space on this show. Well, and especially when you tell someone to give someone space, you know that they're just going to, they're going to be like, yeah, of course, I understand. Of course we will. No, immediately they're like, well, we got to go see Ryan. So which one of us is going? That's <laughs> Sandy. Kirsten is... Going to go deal with Julie. Yeah. Yes. But first, before Kirsten can deal with Julie, Summer Roberts is at Seth's 
work. <laughs> yes. I guess as soon as she got that um voicemail. She went straight to the airport. And she got her crunchy TM advice. <laughs> she immediately flew 3,000 miles across the country. Well, that's the thing. Like, flying from Calgary to Toronto is like a three and a half hour flight. So she, I would assume, flew like three to four hours. Yeah. And this is breakfast time in the OC. Yep. Um, so, yeah, she's there because she says the reason why is because he seemed worried on the phone. And she's, uh, she's real concerned about Ryan. It's an emergency. It... <laughs> It is a pretty great, great thing here that it's Summer's entire arc in this episode is so great because it's so much her even avoiding herself it's and like, but portraying it very well. There's no possible way that Summer wanted to go back home. No, she had to go for Ryan. I'm going to help Ryan. That's me, Summer, Ryan's best friend. <laughs> Speaking of home for Summer... Neil is working out in his home gym. Which is a gym. Which is nicer than the gym that I have a membership to. He has a good life fitness inside his house. There are multiples of machines. <laughs> Just in case. Just in case. You know, I'm sure before all of this happened, he and Julie would work out at the same time. <laughs> side by side on machines. It's what the sound he would make. Uh, however, he's interrupted by that by Caitlin staring like <laughs> it's like she's the Grim Reaper. It is a wild shot because it's like he lifts up the weights and then when he puts it back down, she's standing on the other side of the weights. Uh, and then we're going to get a very interesting, very conflicting scene where she effectively confronts him about Gloria. And he informs her that she is too young to understand anything that's going on. And, and it seems like she's coming off with a lot of like, well, you know. My this would feel my this would destroy my mom because we're already so sad and you should understand how much that you know might hurt her and also I really want these boots. Now I will say I got the sense watch, watching the scene that she was trying to do a good thing and Neil kept brushing her off and brushing her off. So then she pivoted and decided to get extorted or so decided uh, to do some extortion. But it's Caitlin Cooper, so you could view the scene either I way. Think, I think that it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. I think she could be like, man, I feel bad for my mom, and also I want those boots. It can be both. Caitlin Cooper, she's a mystery. You can be terrible and help people. Terrible and wonderful, so many things. I did not say wonderful, I said help people. Kirsten arrives at the house. She also <laughs> told Julie it was a built-in. These... The, the We do get a quick reminder that these ward boys are boys because they're like, man, the, the that cursing woman, she sure is hot. And that's when I realize who these boys are. They're worse versions of Riley and Jonesy from Letterkenny. Oh, they sure are. They sh and then, which makes Caitlin a worse version of Katie. Katie. And I hate it. <laughs> So they ride their bikes away and Caitlin walks to school. <laughs> Caitlin doesn't even look at them. She just, <laughs> just walks down the stairs, goes on her way. The boys get on the bike and I guess they're just going to ride around her like a ring of bees protecting her. I mean, her legs are so long. She can probably walk almost <laughs> as fast as they can bike. She's a stilt walker. <laughs> so uh, we, I, I just want to point this out. We got a little fun crossover here where Summer's looking at those same boots that Caitlin's going to get because we saw them in the first scene. And she's like, oh, who would spend that much money on boots? They don't look like great boots, honestly. Well, it might just be me. Yeah, I think they're not your thing. Yeah. 
Not your thing, not your they, time they, period. Well, they, they, they have that look of like rumpled pleather. The, so what they are is they're thigh-high leather boots, which yeah. have to be rumpled because otherwise your knees can't bend. I mean, yes, obviously. But, uh, uh, but I mean, on, on Kaylin, those are just like calves. <laughs> now, in this scene, we also have some brief hilarity where Summer is horrified because Seth throws his pop away. And how is there no recycling in Newport? And both Kevin and I were like, there's no recycling anywhere in the U.S. And it saddens me. <laughs> like, I used to travel for work to the U.S. and I would drink my Diet Coke and then yeah. ask the railway guys, hey, where did I put my Coke can? And I mean, they'd say, the garbage. And I'd say, no, where's the recycling? And then they would laugh at me. I mean, honestly, um, Rhode Island might have a recycling program. It's very small. <laughs> it's very small. It's very small. So they might be like, yeah, we can do this. We'll just set up a recycling program. Um, this Essentially, this is where we get... What Caitlin, not Caitlin, what um, Summer's thing is now, and she's taking environmental studies. She's taking, she's essentially she's taking a lot of like, she's learning to care about the world learning, around her. Exactly, uh, which she has never done before. So I think Good this is her. a reaction to Marissa dying, but like a positive reaction to Marissa mm-hmm. dying, and also being exposed to different mindsets at college. Yeah, the only place she's ever been is Harbor, and there exactly. she met Harbor people, <laughs> and now she met Crunchy Chris and all his friends. Meanwhile, Kirsten, mom's at Julie, and Julie's like, no, it's a bad day. And Kirsten's like, let me help you. And then Julie gets a phone call, and she <laughs> says, I thought you forgot about me. And then she kicks K- Kirsten out. <laughs> now, continuing on the trend, we will learn who this call is from. I don't quite get her call with this person. Yeah, makes no sense. <laughs> makes no sense. Because, well, here's the thing. Well, I, this is this will be kind of a spoiler, but they're really, really trying to set up throughout this beginning part here that... Julie and Ryan are having some sex. Now, Julie and Ryan, it turns out, have not seen each other for five months, but... Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that is that is what they're going for. That's why all these phone calls are weird and... Now, something we forgot to mention during some of the earlier Summer and Seth scenes is that Seth keeps on trying to encourage Summer to go home. And Summer says, no, 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 I don't have time to go home. I have to do work. But also I have to go for dinner with my dad. <laughs> Which means she somehow went for dinner with her dad without ever going home. And Neil is so excited that Summer is visiting, and it's really quite sad. Yeah. Though it's, it's we're not really the only reason she had dinner with her dad, really, plot-wise, was to get this other thing off, which I guess is going to be an ongoing storyline, where she sees Taylor at the restaurant. <laughs> and Taylor... Just picking up some turkey. No big deal. No big deal. And then Summer's like, oh, are you visiting your mom? And Taylor goes, my mom's in Cabo. (laughs) Only to have her mom behind her. (laughs) And thank God she said, that's my mom, because I would not have picked up on that. And so Summer, or not Summer, sorry, Taylor (laughs) runs away. Which I guess kind of explains why she was in disguise at the diner. But like... This is a very Taylor storyline, but like what? <laughs> and it's and it's weirdly shoved in the middle of this episode. This very serious episode. Uh, so this is where we sort of get the reveal of what happened at the beginning of this uh, an entire episode. This entire thing, the call that Ryan got was from Julie. Was from Julie. So he goes to meet her. They Which have... I mean, we figured out obviously yeah, in that yeah. episode, but but he has not seen her for five months. But during those five months, she found hired a private investigator who is the one who called her because we did have the moment where we're like but that means ryan didn't call her when she was in the bed so who Ooh, it was a private investigator and he's been finding voychuk who is somewhere in a bad shape or Ooh. something uh and then julie because she <laughs> still has the same thoughts about ryan 
It's like I'm not I know I'm not gonna do anything with this, but I'll give you the red folder and you can just decide what you wanna do. Maybe you can make him dead. Maybe, maybe. I'm like, Julie, don't hit man a boy. Don't force him to do that. Don't turn that boy into a hitman. But Ryan has become a man and he says <laughs> well, he's become a sad man. No. 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 I don't I don't wanna do it. So instead he goes home and looks at a box of Marissa's stuff. But then he throws away the items in the box, but not the box itself. Well, Aaron, that box is useful. He's got things he can use that, that box for. He's so frugal. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, it's not his box. <laughs> now, the next morning, over in the comic book shop, it turns out that the nerds and Summer have slept there all night. And also Seth's there doing some drawings. This is when it gets real weird of, like, trying to figure out what is going on here. Does Seth own this shop? Um, I guess they came up with a plan that we'll figure out later, but they've been working all night on something. Seth tells Summer to go home and shower. She says, no, no, I'll just freshen up in the bathroom. He's like, whoa, you've changed. This is, this is very weird. And then... Uh, she at What she actually does... I mean, I don't think it's a secret, but she definitely does do that. She, she goes to see... Ryan at the bar. Yeah. And then she just summers at him. She summers at him until he agrees to leave. <laughs> Her going to this bar in, I want to say, the middle of the day has highlighted how strange this bar is. It's, like, nautical-themed, so maybe it's under the pier? Yeah, we can see more of it now, <laughs> and it does not answer any questions. No, there's, like, a like a bust of an old-timey scuba diver. So, we are reminded that Summer and Ryan are, in fact, friends, because they have had good scenes together before. Yeah, yeah. And they continue to have good scenes where she basically bullies Ryan <laughs> into coming with her. <laughs> yeah. So Ryan comes with her, and the place he comes with her to is obviously the comic book shop. Yeah. <laughs> he gets in there, and everyone's there. It, I mean, everyone being all everyone. The and all, all the Coens are there, and also these two nerds who stand in the corner. Um, who he's never met before. But of course this is what's going to happen, Ryan. Don't act so surprised. Now, the nerds set up a projector and a screen. And what is projected is not something creepy like there would be on Riverdale. <laughs> no, instead, um, what they've been working on all night, what Seth had been working on all night, is essentially a new a new copy or a new, um, a new story from Atomic County. It is. <laughs> done in a slideshow. The origin story of... Fist puncher. I don't remember Ryan's the character's iron, name. The iron fisted man? <laughs> the man with the iron fist? Seth, maybe you shouldn't name comic book characters. I mean, this is better. He or he would have called him Punch Man. That's true. <laughs> we 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 get in this um him sort of describing also the other people, and we we get Sandy's who's the litigator and he's crushed under a mountain of work. And Seth's the invisible boy, which yep. accurate. But Kirsten is, is the, the ice, ice queen. Whose only connection to the outside world is her cell phone. And for a second there, I thought that was Marissa. Yeah. <laughs> but Kirsten was the one who said it. And then Sandy says the litigator. Well, I'm like, is that, was that what Kirsten was supposed to be? I mean, she didn't want to adopt that boy. But it didn't seem like that was because she was an ice queen who had cut herself off from the world. That just seemed like she, like everybody else, made assumptions about Ryan's character. We have learned she had no emotions, but now she has emotions, and so they watch the comic book, and... <laughs> they try to read it out until Ryan goes, please stop reading a comic book at me. I'll, I'll read the comic book. 
Which means the rest of it was an awkward <laughs> silence as he read a comic book, nodded at Seth, and Seth went to the next. Or he would go to the next side and be like, oh, he wasn't going to go back, I guess. No, we do not see this entire thing. What we cut to is Sandy driving Ryan home because I guess Summer drove him there. And by home, I mean home and work, that bar. <laughs> and Sandy just kind of dads at Ryan. Kind of yeah. like, oh, well, you know, you're always welcome to come to our house. And Ryan does say, um, <laughs> do you think it might it might be, like, cool and like, okay if I could, like, you know, go back? I'm sure the pool house is, like, full of things. I could, like, But I could, like, go there, maybe. Maybe, like, sometime. <laughs> but then it, it ends with it being like, I guess I'll move out now and come back to the pool house immediately. And Sandy's like, maybe don't bother getting your things. I'll buy you a new toothbrush. Um, Sandy does say something that's very, that's very, very good because Sandy has repeatedly been very good at, which is that he says to Ryan that he'll that no one really will really grieve in the way that he grieves because he was fully there at the time, but and he'll never get over it, but he'll get used to it. And then he adds on that it's okay to feel even if it hurts. Yeah, which sort of explains. The fighting. Yeah, he's, he says, let, like, feel what you're going to feel. Yeah. Don't let anyone tell you that. Um, there's someone else who's sort of feeling what she's going to feel is Julie, uh, who is who has gone back to after Ryan was like, no, I don't want to murder a boy. She is back to trying to do her craft. She's trying to once again take her mind off of it. She wants to hot glue together some pl- placemats, but she can't. She's too filled with sorrow, so she destroys them and then a scene that actually is very sad is neil like comes up and he assumes she's angry because caitlin told her and so he talks to her and and he says i'm so sorry i didn't mean for this to happen i wanted to talk to someone like i i i I want it began with i wanted to talk to someone that's how it began with and then he sort of stops and he realizes she's not listening she's not listening at all she doesn't know she's not listening yeah it goes okay bye and it's this, I don't know, it's just a sad scene of him, of him like, essentially being like, I wanted someone to listen to me, and she's not even listening to that. And it shows how your grieving in those moments can even affect the people around you, how everything is an echo. Now our final montage. Seth takes Summer home to her house, and they're awkward, and they plan to get breakfast the next day. But, of course, we know they plan to get food, so... So Seth goes home to meet Ryan, and Summer goes into her bedroom, and I said to Kevin, her home is haunted by memories of Marissa. (laughs) And it's literally haunted by a ghost. So she closes the door to Caitlin's room. Yep. Because Caitlin lives in the room. I almost thought what it would be is that Caitlin would come in, and she would think it was Marissa for a second. Wouldn't that be better? But instead, Summer sees a ghost, and the camera pans around her like she saw a ghost. Now... Montage. Ryan finds Marissa's sweatshirt because he forgot to throw that away when he threw away the contents of the box. Yep. And his boss comes in and is like, oh, are you going to come to one his, last fight? Well, I can always say his boss is weirdly like, he's like, yeah, you know, it probably is a pretty good idea you get out of your man. Uh, anyway, the guy who beat the crap out of you last night wants to beat the crap out of you again. You in? <laughs> I mean, you're my best fighter because I don't have to pay you. <laughs> you always lose. Everyone <laughs> loves fighting you. Montage. Summer calls Seth and she says, wow, I sure hope that when you get home, Ryan's there because I'm not going to be there. I have to leave. I have a protest tomorrow. Continues being an atrocious way of explaining things. I'll see you at Thanksgiving. It's soon. Montage. Ryan goes to uh, the gravestone and we learn that Julie goes there all the time. Because Julie earlier said, you haven't even been to Marissa's grave. And I wondered to myself, 
How do you know that, Mar- how how do you know that, Julie? Well, Julie doesn't work during the day, so... Julie only goes to Marissa's grave. Yeah. But it turns out that Ryan called her and told her to come to the grave because montage. He won the fight. That, that man who was like, hey, can I fight that guy who doesn't fight back? It'll be awesome. Got full beaten up by Ryan. What a nasty surprise. Well, because now Ryan has has become something different. Ryan has become... The Revenger. <laughs> and Ryan is going to take that red folder and he's going to do a murder on Voychuk. I mean, it doesn't say he's going to do a murder, but he does say, I have to do this. Hard cut to the credits. Me, me and Aaron both go, that still doesn't explain it. Yeah, it didn't tell us much. <laughs> you, said tell that, us much. you said that like that explained his arc. It didn't explain his arc. He, he, saw, the, he saw the comic book and he's like, you're right. I should beat up Voychuk. <laughs> I mean, like, I can piece bits and pieces of it. There are things I get. Like, he was feeling so much pain, and he didn't want to feel pain in his life. So he, like, tucked it away inside his spirit, but then he had to get beaten up in fights, so he didn't explode. I I get everything that he was going on with. But, like, what is the now? (laughs) I'm trying to figure out how everything that everybody did, like, the... Um, he like he uh, he heard from Summer. He saw the um, the 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 comic book slideshow. Sandy told him all those things. How he took all of that and went. You're right. I should go kill Voychuk. <laughs> it it feels like someone lists like you. You're like, telling someone something yeah. and be like, yes, I understand, and doing something completely different. Well, I mean, to be fair, Sandy said, you need to feel what you need to feel, even if it hurts. And Ryan thought, what I feel is, I need to kill Voychuk. <laughs> Now, I don't really understand why the comic book worked, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> the only thing in this episode that really seemed like it should have worked Sandy's... Is, is Sandy's speech. But I... he had decided before Sandy's speech. I kind of think that the um um that the comic book the idea of the comic book is that it showed to Ryan that Because Ryan's entire thing was I hurt the people around me. That's true. So the comic book showed all the good things he did, how he helped all these people as well That's he's not point. just someone who hurts people but then to take from that i should go i i'm here's the thing i'm gonna go with i'm thinking that this ending where it's i have to do this boom is purpose is purposefully dramatic for makes feel like oh my god ryan's going to kill voychuk and he never had the thought that he's wanted to go see voychuk and to confront to say to him the things that sandy said but make Voychuk have a reckoning of the spirit just like he had a reckoning of the spirit that's that's what i'm feeling because i cannot imagine how someone with Ryan we know can go from hearing all those sweet things and be like i understand i should go kill a boy you make a great point yeah so here we are the oc this is a great introduction to season four i appreciate this skip in time forward i appreciate that we didn't pick up right where we left off I like seeing where people have come to rather than grappling with a bunch of people in deep grief grief i think that would be a real kinda, challenging walk. I mean, we still kind of are. Yeah, but, at but they've level. had some time. Yeah. Um, there's only 16 episodes this season, so it's yeah. going to be a whirlwind ride. <laughs> what is Taylor Townsend up to? <laughs> Got her own thing going on. Is Caitlin a sociopath? Is she wonderful? Is she both? Probably both. A wonderful sociopath. <laughs> 
So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where logic stepped into the cage fight of life only to realize the only thing it loved there was defeat, a.k.a. drama? This is always harder to do in the OC. Yeah. But my CW moment, a moment that exists only for TV and not for any logic, yeah. is... That didgeridoo <laughs> the didgeridoo party. <laughs> I mean, the party. Awesome. <laughs> Summer having a turn on the didgeridoo. That was a lame excuse to get <laughs> crunchy Chris Pratt into that scene. Uh, that's you know, I agree. That specific thing that like they're like, how do we get him to the seat? Oh, he, they have one didgeridoo that they share. Like, this is this episode did feel a lot a little like a lot of like robots describing what humans do because there's that bit where where um. Caitlin was smoking. This, this is not my TV moment. Yeah. Well, well, Caitlin was smoking pot, surrounded by so many people, and them. And, but the thing is, they were talking. It seemed like, oh, you know, well, the cops come. Or, see or, you. Or, 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 I see you. Like, of course, everyone sees you. Yeah, everyone pot, knows. Pot's not subtle. It's it's one of the least subtle drugs. And what would have been great was if he had burst in holding like. Like ceramic cups or something. He was like, Summer, we don't need the plastic cups. I found these in my dorm room. We can save the environment. Yeah. Like, yeah, that would be pretty great. Or he just bursted, like, Summer, I felt sadness from this room. I'm here. Or he just came in, like, Boom, Summer, my mom made me a mixtape. Let's go listen to it. Hey, Gamora, I mean, Summer. <laughs> <laughs> Rocket Raccoon's outside and he's railing on the didgeridoo. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do in a didgeridoo, right? You rail it. Naturally. Yeah. Kevin, what's your CW moment? My CW moment uh, was when Summer went to, well, when she found uh, Taylor Townsend at the um, at the bar. It pretty much everything to do with that. One, Taylor Townsend drops a turkey. That's like a bag of turkey food. Some form of thing and it falls like an anvil it like cr- like crashes Boom, the ground shatters beneath it <laughs> it's like breaking a wine glass it just reminded me of how much this um this show says has weird side effects like when uh when julie ran into that guy with the the tray and it sounded like the world shattering <laughs> And, like, the only reason that Summer went for dinner with her dad... Was so that she could find Taylor. Taylor there, and then her mom was also there. So where is Taylor staying? How does Taylor think she's going to keep this a secret? Because she pays for the turkey by putting it on her family's tab. I'm I'm not too concerned about that, because it's obviously stuff that will get, will get filled in. But that... The, the fact that they felt like they had to fit that scene into this episode, or man, this episode would not be complete. Well, Kevin, there's one thing we know. Taylor's a main character. It, th- that is true. Though, OT has always been somewhat good about not being like, we need to make sure every main character is doing everything in every single episode. And honestly, her phone call with Summer and her disguise <laughs> would have been enough. That would have been enough. <laughs> but we got that extra bit. We got that heavy turkey. We do love Taylor. We'll take any Taylor you give to us, but this was some weird Taylor. I love how um, the only reason she could tell was Taylor, because when she was turned around, she looks like everyone else. Um, It was was her voice. was her voice. Was that mighty, (laughs) mighty Taylor voice. She has such a distinct voice. Excuse me, how much longer is this going to (laughs) take? And it was right there. (laughs) She literally went up to the guy holding the bag. Though, to be fair, why was he also just holding that bag there? Why was he not bringing it to her? It's like he was holding around with a bag in front of him. And she's like, sir, sir, can you please turn around and give me my bag? 
What, what sir, are you doing, sir? Sir, I can see the bag in your hand, sir. Because that bag did not come from behind that bar. <laughs> it's like if you went to Five Guys, <laughs> they were just standing there with like your bag and just like, sir, can I have my bag? Can I have my, my bag of fries, sir? Sir? Sir, you're looking right at me, sir? Sir, can I have my bag of fries? Sir, you're looking directly at me. Sir? Sir? So if you're excited about the OC, please tell us. Giving a, give us a rating review and subscription on Apple Podcasts and your podcaster of choice. Or talk to us on the social meds, Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA. Also at Gmail, Instagram, Twitter. That's it. I shook my head like you could see me. Nope, can't. You cannot. It's an audio medium. Yeah, we're back in the OC. We're back uh, in, a, in a place of light. So I guess we'll see you next week. Yeah. Why is Taylor hiding from her mom? What's going to happen when Ryan finds Voychuk? How will Summer and Seth... I can ride a bike. You think you're the only podcaster in the world? Well, Miss Weir, you've stumbled upon a bigger universe. I would like to talk to you about the OC initiative. For answers to all this and more, and to find out what I'm joining... Join us next week on Mystery, Outsiders, and Abs. A teen drama fan cast?